0: Welcome to this special extra to episode 83 with award winning archaeologist Peter Veth. We delve further here into what Peter believes needs to happen in the crucible of landscapes such as these in northwest Australia. We talk about the place of heavy industry, cultural enterprise and interpretation, economies, education and media, with an approach that celebrates the extraordinary deep time value of these co created landscapes and cultures. ...generating a more universal view, as Peter puts it... ...reflecting how First Nations see things... ...and how many young people see things now too. It's a view without risk to broader Australia... ...and everything to gain. You can hear the rest of our conversation in the main episode... ...regenerating in deep time. You can also see a few terrific early photographs of Peter... ...among some of the First Nations communities we talked about... ...on the episode webpage... The link is in the show notes my name's anthony james thanks again for listening you segued to something i was hoping to get to before we closed up too pete and that that's around i guess out of all this what you think would be good to happen in these places and in these processes and there's some of it let's take uh, muradjuga Barrett peninsula that's obviously a hot point right now with further proposed gas projects and so yep. forth have you got a sense Uh, and perhaps even from the people on the ground, of a way through that, what could, should happen?
1: I I think some bad planning decisions were made early on in the 80s, which allowed very significant infrastructure and planning investment in country that was both potentially usable but also had incredibly high values. And so now we're at a tipping point where that 40-year history of land use, poor decisions, but increasingly... Um, elevated recognition of the values leading to a world heritage nomination have now come to a pinch point. Um, I personally think industry should be consolidated into areas which don't impact on the um, on the universal values, on the nationally significant values under the EPBC Act. I think um, I think it's a bit of a litmus test of. And it's a tough one because we're talking about billions of dollars being spent yes. at the moment um, i think it's where some hard decisions will be made need to be made by the epa around whether or not there's adequate mitigation in place around things like emissions cumulative impacts um direct indirect um, impacts uh, of world heritage or national estate areas for example, I'm pretty sure YARA is meant to do an inventory of all sites within a two kilometer radius of the site, and this hasn't happened. And the feds are the arbitrators or the regulators there. So what we see often are the, the federal or state regulators only partially doing or recognising what's required. And so not surprisingly we end up with um challenges and these details being teased out in in quite confrontational ways. So I think I think Murajuga has the values, it will become a world heritage landscape. Um, Pluto probably served to diminish some of those values in the South. I do not think that was a correct decision. I think the time has come for um, government and planners to actually modernise their views about these landscapes and simply say, look, it's not. you can't just say things like it coexists, yes. which is the current um, line. That That's actually ignoring the values on the ground and the data on things like emissions and movements and footprints and so forth, you have to just get real and start actually looking at what's being proposed, whether it's sustainable, whether it's consistent with state, national, international standards, and start making calls which will both be favourable and unfavourable. So, mm, you know, it's um, yes Europe is a crucible. It's not the only one in the country. We know from land use studies and um, aerial footage that some 12 of barap itself has been directly impacted, um, so technically there's over 85% which is not directly impacted, but there are um, both known and modelled or asserted impacts at the moment which should be and are uh, ostensibly being monitored, like the emission studies, that, that's a very, very significant study program that will produce publicly accessible data that will look at the effects of Um, emissions and what needs to be done Um, i think there's still an issue around heritage standards Um, this was actually said by the treasurer and minister late last year in a semi-private exchange (laughs) between each other Hmm. Um, i do think you get a wide range of standards being brought in to look at heritage in different industrial contexts and i was disappointed to see just last week that dplh was saying standards of heritage assessment should be dictated to by companies or host communities and i would ask the question of where the regulatory role came in mm.
0: if
1: they're not regulators then what are they doing <laughs> and we we as you know educationalists as um policy makers as advocates and so forth obviously argue and strive for the highest standards we've been arguing for accreditation standards and the heritage act as now stands in new south wales and victoria for 20 years the the request is still there with the state government, but it would appear the department is giving advices to the professional bodies a week ago that um mm. those standards and and whether conditions are being met or not will be up to the actual proponents, the mining companies and um, the host communities, who mm. may or may not be skilled to, to oversee that. And that I find that problematic. Yeah. That's not part of a modern Australia that I recognise. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And what that's about a WA?
1: That's a WA legacy. Mm. <laughs>
0: We could talk about that probably. And I've said, what about around here? I mean, we had on the podcast last year a show on the Resilient Reefs Initiative, this global initiative with five major reefs. I mean, two in Australia, World Heritage listed, Great yeah. Barrier Reef, and here with Ningaloo. Yeah. And then three in different parts around the world getting together to not just manage reefs and do their best with the biological thing there, but to actually work with communities in terms of potentially livelihood transition, uh, communities interrogating what, who they want to be into the future and, of course, taking into account yep. the threats that Ningaloo might not even be here, these reefs might not even be here in 20 years. I mean, dread the thought mm. for someone who's passionate about them like I am. Yeah. That I, I hope we can avert that. But either way, it's going yep. to be different. It's going to be markedly different. And so even here is going through its own microcosm of, that sort of interrogation and envisioning and and looking to come together across perhaps pre-existing divides, be they industrial, conservation, or be they First Nations and colonial. Yep. Have you got a sense from your work here of what's possible, what could, should help the situation here? Yeah, look, in terms of the
1: cultural landscapes and the World Heritage Listing, I think there needs to be a retrospective inscription. I think the cultural values need to be actually put on the formal dossier i think it should be part of the the values of the estate um, i think that should be represented in signage and interpretive material it's beginning which is fantastic mm. with you know fish names and place names but that can increase it'll make it very very interesting um, i think there's a beginning of walking tours there's a, a few people beginning these or going into different areas i can see a bit like more of jugger that you'll have um, some Indigenous or possibly uh, Indigenous collaborative enterprises which walk into areas and take people to visit and view some of the big shell maidens and other sites, which they'll walk through anyhow. I mean, these are at the back of beaches, which are visited quite clearly and regularly. And so, in other words, help to signpost in a non-destructive way what parts of the landscape are, are very interesting or have um, deep histories and, and biological values around them. Uh, and then I think overall, it'd be great to see more multimedia like this, <laughs> yeah. more films, um, celebrating uh, that that human and environmental um, co-generation. I, I I did biology. I love natural resource managers. <laughs> I think I think all the work they do is highly challenging, and again, stressed for resources. But I think often policy makers and even communities will grab for an NRM fix or a cultural heritage fix or something else to actually bring it together and integrate it, which is how most Aboriginal people see landscapes and how good policy makers see them, Um, and how I think our children see them now, is probably the way to go. So you have to have a reef to obviously celebrate its value, so sea level temperatures and global warming and heat sinks and so forth are incredibly important. You need to have protection of... Places and sites and, and have worked to actually document what some of those you know 20 40 60 thousand year records might be so that work has to be done has to be funded we've just done the first part of what i hope is a much bigger and 10-year project it was just a tiny first start but um wonderful support from hazel and community and dbca and others um, but i just i'd like to see northwest cape known as a destination where you can go and snorkel do Yadi creek um see mangroves uh, be shown some Aboriginal sites, understand the remarkable history of the shelf being so steep and providing access to people to the coastline for 50, 60,000 years, being one of the best windows or sampling points in the world. Those sorts of things I'd like to become commonplace and known by everyone. And I think as again, there's actually no risk uh, to local concerns and there'd be everything to be gained. And it's just creating a more universal view.